0: To invite you to turn with me. Can we turn the lights up just a bit, so I can see everybody's faces as we stand and read through in Luke chapter two? Here, we're going to begin actually with the uh, verse forty-two or forty-one, I should say, Luke forty, uh, Luke chapter two, verse forty-one. And as you hear the word of the Lord, may God bless this passage to our ears. Beginning here with verse 41, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. May God add this blessing to his word. Please be seated. Well, we have very little information, of course, about Jesus prior to when he began his ministry, which was evidently in about his early 30s. We have very little information between what we celebrated yesterday uh, with Jesus being born in the manger in Bethlehem to that, to that time when he first began that ministry. We know that, for instance, Joseph and Mary were forced to go to Egypt for a season while uh, they were uh, trying to uh, avoid King Herod and the possibility of Jesus dying uh, as an infant. And then, of course, what we have is this uh, the evidence that Jesus went to the temple as a baby. He was dedicated there. And then we come to this passage here in Luke chapter 2 regarding Jesus at the temple. And Luke gives us this one picture of Jesus, very interesting. He's just 12 years old. He's a teenager. And over the years, I've come to realize that, that I've come to appreciate that, in fact, that this story gives us a lot of insight in how we can sometimes celebrate Christmas. So here's the setup I want you to join me in. Jesus and his family have come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, this was a family trip, a joyous time of celebration with all the fun and, and what, we might, uh, of what we might call Christmas at, at, at Passover. It was probably the closest thing that, that the, the people of Israel had to Christmas. Now, I'm not saying that they were one and the same. Obviously, Passover was very different than Christmas. I mean, it was simply the biggest celebration for them of the year. So, the Passover celebrated Israel's freedom from their bondage in Egypt. It pointed to God's work of sparing the lives of Israel so that they could escape Egypt and enter the promised land. Now, you'll remember that Jesus would be crucified years later. And he was crucified, interestingly enough, during the Passover celebration, freeing his people from their bondage to sin freeing their people from from bondage to sin and giving them escape from their land of darkness and giving them access to the promised land of heaven. So there is a lot right there that we could talk about this morning, but I'm not going to to develop that idea. Instead, I want to just note that the Passover for Joseph and Mary and their family would have been a big deal. It was a time of gift-giving and feasting, a time to travel, a time when people and families got together. It was a time of joy, a time of worship. It was a big deal. In in Bible times, the Passover celebration was to them what the Christmas celebration is to us. And so Luke tells us a very interesting thing happens at that time. The Bible tells us that Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his parents in Jerusalem. And then after the celebration, his parents are heading back home. They're surely with other family members, cousins and uncles and aunts and friends. And then they go an entire day's journey before it dawns on them that Jesus wasn't with them. This is kind of the original transcript of Home Alone, I would think, you know, this is it. Jesus couldn't be found. They had lost Jesus amid the celebration. In the midst of the Passover, which was really all about Jesus, they suddenly realized they had lost him. Now, I'd like for us to think about this because I think that's a realization of a warning for us. Because this is the irony, isn't it, of the celebration of Christmas? We get focused on a whole lot of things during this time of year. We get invested in shopping and meals and parties and gifts and families. We have so many things to do, so many places to be, so many things to check off our list. And so, what can happen is this in the very midst of our celebration of Jesus, we lose Jesus. How silly it is to celebrate Jesus even while we lose Jesus. Now, how do you think Mary and Joseph felt when they realized, I don't know where he is? Can you imagine that conversation between mom and dad? I thought he was with you. How can you lose the son of God? What do you mean me? What about you? And so imagine how Joseph and Mary hurried as fast as they could back to Jerusalem to find Jesus. Now, I've gotta tell you, when I looked at this passage a couple of years ago, it was about four years ago, I saw something that I'd never seen before. Luke tells us that after three days, they found him. Three days in Jerusalem. Now, if you think about that, where are we going to see that again? The Passover, Jesus, the cross, the disciples thought they had lost him, but the third day, they find him. And he's doing exactly what the Father expected him to do. So it seems to me Luke is telling us more than maybe what meets the eye initially. But think about this. Who loses Jesus? Joseph and Mary lose Jesus. Now think about the last time you heard anything negative about Mary or Joseph. It just doesn't happen. Now, we recognize that they weren't perfect people, but we also know, because the scriptures are very clear, that they were people of outstanding character. Mary is chosen as the one uh, above all women to carry the Son of God in her womb. We see her when she hears the word of the angel. Despite everything that must have been going through her mind, she declares, may it be to me just as you have said. She is obedient to God's call on her life. Joseph, if you've studied his character, and we've done so over these last few weeks, the Bible says he was a righteous man. He was not just religious, he was kind and compassionate, and he honored God with his life. In fact, I would dare you to find two finer people in Scripture. But what we see here, surprisingly, is someone we at least expect to lose Jesus loses Jesus. Now, I think that's significant. Do you realize that you might be the elder of our church? You may sit near the front. You may be on the worship team. You might be in the pulpit. You might show up on the day after Christmas, Sunday, worship. One of the scriptures, one of the surprises it seems to me of scripture is that very often the people who do the most often for God's kingdom can be the ones who fall out of fellowship with him. Look at the list in Scripture. Noah, David, Moses, Samson, Peter. And you just go begin to go down that list and you recognize that at some point they broke their fellowship with God. They were walking with him and suddenly they were not. So the Bible reminds us, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. I want this to be a word of caution to each of us today. Jesus is born in our lives, and that is wonderful. He was born in Joseph and Mary's home. But the question must always be, where is he right now? Do you think you're beyond getting away from God? Do you think you'd never lose him? Well, Mary did. Joseph did. All of a sudden, they realized he's not here. So that begs the question, how in the world does something like that happen? Why does it happen? Now, immediately our minds begin to think of why that could occur. And I would suggest to you that the first thing that comes to my mind is a series of sins that we could, we could talk about that obviously would cause us to lose the sense of intimacy with Jesus in our life. We could list those things and we could talk about them, but, but if you look at this story, that's really not the case here. This is not a case of Joseph and Mary sinning. They, they, they didn't do anything truly wrong here. Verse 41 and, and it says they were at the Passover. They were celebrating. They were participating in the religious ceremony. They lost him in spiritual celebration. Passover, which was essentially all about Jesus, that's where they lost Jesus. And I think I remember that Jesus speaks to his church in the early part of the book of Revelation. And one of the churches he speaks to is the church of Laodicea. And Jesus says to them, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But do you not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? And then he ends that passage of scripture to the church at Laodicea, saying in verse 20, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and he with me. Now remember, where is he knocking? He's knocking at the door of the church he he wants to come in he wants to be a part of our celebration and could it be that we've lost jesus and didn't know it i wonder this morning if we could listen can we hear the gentle knock of his holy spirit Remember, Jesus was found in his father's house. That's exactly where he wants to be today. And where Jesus is, that's where I want to be. And he says, I want to be right in the middle of your celebration. And so don't forget that in the midst of everything that is going on, that you are nothing but pitiful and poor and blind and naked if you don't have him. Pastor Adrian Rogers told the story about a prince who had a princess that he loved very much. He was fabulously wealthy, but his beautiful princess died and he was heartbroken. He determined that in her honor, he would build a magnificent shrine, a glorious, beautiful burial palace a burial place, the most beautiful place that had ever been built. It would make the Taj Mahal look pitiful in comparison. So he got the architects of the kingdom to begin their work on the plans for this magnificent shrine, a symbol that he loved her even in her death. Well, the plans came together. Money was no object. The spires grew tall. The marble was gleaming. The gold overlay would flash in the sun. It was, by every measure, coming together beautifully as the prince observed the project. As it was nearing completion, however, he was on the one of the high minarets of his own palace looking over the work, and he noticed that everything was perfect except for one thing. There was something that just didn't seem to fit. It seemed a little out of place. It seemed to, uh, to the prince that, uh, uh, that, that it was just didn't quite work. And so he called in the workmen, and he said to them, look, you, you see down there, something doesn't fit. If, if you take that out, I think this will be perfect. And the workmen went down, and they removed the tomb of the princess. Now, he makes the point, and I hope you will understand it. I know our culture, and I know where we have been kind of sucked into it, too, where we've gotten to a place when it comes to Christmas, how often Jesus gets in the way. Come to church? On Christmas? Sing those old-fashioned carols that remind us of the story? We've got dinners to go to, and gifts to buy, and cards to send, and Sweaters to wear. Even making time for worship just seems to to be another addition that, quite frankly, gets in the way. Taking the time to read the Christmas story seems like an imposition. Taking time to remember the greatest gift ever given and responding in gratitude and worship and awe. It seems like a bit of a hassle, really. And I wonder if we haven't done that. I wonder if somehow we've we've let the very celebration of Christmas take us from the Christ of Christmas. But how did they lose him? Verse 44 says this, Thinking he was there in their company, they traveled on for a day. So how did they lose him? Well, I think if you, if you think about this passage, they just assumed he was there. They presumed he was there. They supposed that he was there. They assumed that he was with them, and they didn't check up. They didn't lose him by getting drunk. They didn't lose him by opposing him or denying him. They didn't lose him by those sins that we could easily point to and say, well, obviously there." No, what the scripture says is they went a day's journey, a day where one step at a time, where every step they took, they were just getting further and further from him. Just supposing that he was with them. I wonder if that's true about us. You know, I had to ask myself this question this morning. As I prepared to preach this message, Jeff, are you just supposing that you're right with God? Are you just supposing that Jesus is a reality in your life? I mean, that's kind of easy to do. I mean, I'm a preacher. I'm a part of a church. And I come and I sing and I attend a Bible study. I do my devotions and you go from day to day and you just... Well, it's okay. I'm good. I remember the story of Samson in Scripture. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Samson, and he never knew it. He never knew it. They they went a day's journey, a step at a time, just simply supposing that Jesus was with them. This morning, on the day after Christmas, as we celebrate and continue to celebrate the season of Christmas, that's where we are now, that Jesus came to earth, that God is with us. Let's ask the question honestly Is God with me? Have I in some way neglected my relationship with Him? Do I seek him every day? Do I listen for his voice? Do I obey his commands? Do I enjoy him? Or have I edged him out of my life where other things have taken precedence, other things gain my attention? I have these obligations, not necessarily bad things. Some of those things could be very good things, but just Things that have gotten in the way. Can you honestly say this morning, there is no greater love in my life than my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? You know that's what he wants? That's the only thing he wants from you? So if you've lost him, the question becomes, how can we find Jesus again? Well, if you think about verse 45 and 46, the passage again says, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Now, I think it's interesting. Where did they find him? They found him right where they left him. They found him by going back to the place where they left him. Listen, my friends, this morning, if Jesus Christ is not real to you, and he once was real to you, if you don't have a conscious awareness of the presence of God, if you don't have that vital relationship this morning, my advice to you this morning is to go back where you first left him. You say, well, pastor, I don't know where that was. Listen, I think if you take the time to reflect and you take the time to think about and open your heart and you honestly pray, Lord, if if you pray a prayer like David who said, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any wicked way in me, I believe God will answer that. He will show you where you left him. I heard about a man in a rescue mission one time who was trying to get right with the Lord, trying to get back on track, and the worker said, well, you, sir, you need to get down on your knees and confess your sins. And the man said, well, I don't know what they are. And they said to him, you don't? He said, no. And th- so they said, well, guess at it. And this man's testimony was this. He said, I guessed right the first time. He knew, he knew, he knew. I think this morning, if we're honest, we know where we've gotten away from the Lord. Maybe you've been neglecting a quiet time with him on a daily basis. No egregious sin. Maybe you love your smartphone more than you do your Bible. Maybe you've become very lax in attending worship or when you come, you come with a less than gracious and grateful attitude. Maybe you become careless in what entertains you or the words that you speak or maybe you're harboring bitterness against someone close to you. But somewhere along the way, something else just caught your attention. Friend, where are you going to find Jesus? right where you left him a father and son were living together the wife and mother had died years before so father and son were living in this small cottage it was a chilly night and the father said to his son son the fire's about to go out will you get out go out and get another piece of wood and put it on the fire the son said dad i'm busy you Get the wood. Well, the father said, Son, I'm asking you if you'll go and get this piece of wood to put on the fire. I'm your father. I'm older than you are. It's not a difficult or unreasonable thing to ask you to do. The son said, I'm busy, Dad. The father then said, Son, listen, I'm sorry it's come to this. I'm not asking you now. I'm telling you, go out, get another piece of wood, put it on the fire. The son said, Well, since you're telling me, I'm going to give you my answer. I tell you, No, I will not do it. Well, it got very cold in the room, and we're not just talking, of course, about the temperature. There was this clash of wills. Then the father said to his son, Now, son, this is a serious matter, more serious than a piece of wood. You've defied me. You've refused to do what I've asked you to do. Now, son, this is my house. You're a grown man. You're living under my roof. Either you obey me or you cannot stay here anymore. Very well, said the son. I'll not stay here anymore. And so he jumped up. He walked out of the room into the night and he slammed the door behind him. Days came and went, and the son began to think to himself, you know, I've been a fool. Why have I been so selfish? Why was I so stubborn? How could I do this to my own dad? I don't deserve to be forgiven, but I want to be, and I'm going to go back and humble myself. I'm going back to my father. And he went back, very much like the prodigal son, And he said, Dad, I'm so sorry. I don't know what got into me. I'm sure it's just pride and sheer selfishness. Dad, you've been a wonderful father to me. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for loving me. Forgive me, Dad, for my arrogance. Dad, I'd like to come back and spend my days with you. May I come back in? His father said, son, I'd very much like that. But son, before you sit down, would you put another piece of wood on the fire? We pick up right where we left off. This morning, if Christ seems distant to you, he never moved. You know where you left him you know where you need to get right with him. Christmas will truly become God with us because we've determined with all our hearts to be with him. That's the message. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that in the midst of your celebration, we would be a people who celebrate you. That, Lord, we would experience the joy of knowing that God is with us. That you would be, you would be our all in all. You would be the center of our attention, the center of our focus. You are worthy of our love and adoration and praise. And Father, I pray for those this morning who may have found themselves drifting away from you. Would you draw them back to yourself? Would you allow them to long for that intimacy with you that you offer them? And Lord, may we we reflect and ask the question, yes, we believe that God is with us, but Lord, are we with you? Have we given ourselves over to you completely? Lord, as we look toward this new year, we know that we cannot go on without you. It would be foolish to try. So Lord Jesus, remind us of who you are. Remind us of our longing to know you. And would you become real to us once more? I give you thanksgiving and praise because, Lord, you are knocking at the door. You're waiting for us to let you in. Come in, Jesus, to this place. Be in your Father's house. And we celebrate. We celebrate your goodness. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.